Some of you may go to a bank closing this weekend. Don't tell your significant other where you're going or what you're doing because everyone knows someone who knows someone. Just, you know, you are on a secret mission. NPR's Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Sana Jaffe-Wald. Today is Friday, March 26th, and that guy talking about the secret mission was the FDIC's Tom Murray, and it was a recording of him conducting a training session for new FDIC employees. The FDIC, of course, is the government agency that insures our banks, and that tape was recorded one year ago in Irvine, California. The FDIC was opening a new office there. And the secret mission Tom Murray was sending all those fresh new faces on were bank takeovers. Yeah, so a startling number of banks were failing back then. And, of course, it's the FDIC's job to take over when a bank needs to be taken over. And there were so many bank failures, they couldn't actually handle all the work. So the FDIC was opening this new office and hiring 600 new agents, and that was what you heard, Tom Murray training them. Our show today is going to be all about what happened since that moment. It's a year later. What happened to all those people, all the banks, all the stuff in the banks? But before we get there, Hannah, we have asked Planet Money's blogger Jacob Goldstein to step out of his blog cave and deliver us the indicator. Jacob, sitting next to me. What's the indicator? David, the indicator today is 168,708. That's the number of mortgages that were permanently modified in the first year of the government's loan modification program. That seems low, right? So these are people who are having trouble paying their mortgages. The government's trying to help them out. But the government's talking about helping millions of people. Utah said 168,000. That's right. And it, it points to really how hard it is to do loan modification right. I mean, on the one hand, you have a lot of people who are underwater on their mortgages. And basically, no matter what you do, they're not going to be able to pay. So essentially, loan modification isn't going to help them. On the other hand, you have a lot of people who are underwater on their mortgages who are going to keep paying basically no matter what. So it's essentially a waste of money if you help out those people. So you really have to try and find the people right in the middle, which is actually very hard to do. And we've seen a lot of news this week about trying to do it right. And it's something I've been writing a lot about on the blog. Okay. Jacob, are you, do we get to announce it now? I think so. I know you didn't care about the indicator. You just wanted me for this part. No, 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 but you do have... It's cool. No, it's cool. I can take it. (laughs) You do have another piece of exciting blog news that you brought for us, right? I do. I do. And of course, it goes to your toxic asset, which I know is near and dear to your heart. Our brand new baby, our toxic asset. And Jacob, you put up a vote on the blog for people to name our newest addition to the Planet Money team. That's right. We got literally thousands of votes. (laughs) Uh, It it came down really to a a two-horse race. I'm sorry to say for, for those of you who are fans of Tulip, fans of Nina, they got smoked. It, it really came down to Kenny v. Toxi. I'm going to tell you the truth. I voted for Kenny. I really wanted to write the, oh, my God, they killed Kenny, South Park illusion <laughs> headline when the toxic asset finally dies. Kenny lost. Toxi won. Rather literal name, yet it has its charm. Toxi. So our brand new toxic asset pet is named Toxi. I have to say, I liked Maverick. Well, welcome, Toxie, to the Planet Money family. Okay, well, Jacob, thank you very much for delivering our our indicator and naming our baby. Thanks for having me, Han. I'm always glad to get out of the blog cave. (laughs) All right, now back (laughs) in there. On to today's show. So, David, last year we took a look at what that secret mission you heard about at the top of the show actually looks like when a bank fails. 
banks were failing a lot last year. And then one failed in my state, where I lived at the time, Washington State, and it was the Bank of Clark County. It's right across the river from Portland. So I went down to southwest Washington State, and I went to Clark County to just talk to all the people who were involved. And everyone was still really jittery from the failure. Everyone was still trying to make sense of it. It was really chaotic. And a lot has happened since then. Some of it's actually pretty surprising. But before we get there, we're going to play a couple minutes of last year's story about that takeover. And we're going to start with one of my favorite people in the story. My name is Todd Zalk, Bank of Clark County, the best community business bank because we've changed the game in business banking and we were winning. (laughs) Todd Zalk is what you call a team player, a total bank loyalist to the end, beyond the end. Four weeks after the failure, Todd's still wearing his Bank of Clark County name tag, still passing out his bank business cards, always with a warm handshake inserting your name whenever possible. Todd had no idea the FDIC was in town and his bank was about to fail. Friday afternoon, failure day, he was bringing in new business. I I actually was. I had people that wanted to open accounts. In fact, Hannah, in the fourth quarter, I opened over 55 accounts. Todd knew they were going through a rough time. Everyone knew that. The CEO had been using this analogy that the bank was like a ship. They'd taken on some water in a recent storm, and they might need a bigger ship, a larger bank, to take them on. But... Basically, things were under control. Friday, 5.01 p.m., a small team enters the Bank of Clark County. Casual. They head straight for the CEO's office. And this is when it happens. They deliver the news. They tell him his bank is undercapitalized. It has failed. 5.03 p.m., an agent positioned by the CEO's office door types this news into a BlackBerry. It's received by everyone on the FDIC takeover team, including manager Ron Hodges. At... 504, um, we received the, the notification to that the bank had been declared failed. So you get a message on your BlackBerry or something? Exactly. And yeah. what will it say? Uh, the bank has been declared failed. It's that simple. Han, I love that story. So what happens is the FDIC floods into the bank at 6 p.m. The employees were gathered there in the lobby, and they, they thought it was just going to be a staff meeting. Um, but, of course, it wasn't, and it was incredibly emotional. People were crying. You know, their bank was gone, and they were all going to lose their jobs. So now it's a year later, and the Bank of Clark County, of course, is no longer, and Todd Zalk, your favorite David, lost his job that day. And Ron Hodges, the FDIC guy, he stuck around in Clark County for a couple months to close down the bank. And so that was basically the last I heard. And we wanted to know just what happened to them, to the people who did business with the bank, to Todd and Ron. And first, I tried to track down Ron. You tried him a lot, right? You were calling him this whole week. (laughs) I know. I've been calling him a lot. He seems to be a very hard guy to track down. We'd set up a time, and then he wouldn't be there. He'd tell me that he got the time zones mixed up. We'd miss each other. And then finally, last Friday, I get him on the phone, but he's on this crappy cell phone. And since we here at Planet Money care about the utmost sound quality for you, our listeners. Yeah, we care about sound quality. And frankly, we're afraid of Caitlin. (laughs) That's true. Yes. Caitlin, our producer, gets mad at us when we have crappy tape from a crappy cell phone. So I tell Ron, you know, I don't think this is going to work, but we can try. And then I proceed to do what, you know, David, what you and I do with most interviews to test the sound, just our audio levels before we start by asking what for us is a really generic question. Just for our levels, if you just tell me where you are. Absolutely. Well, right now I'm, I'm at an undisclosed location getting ready for a, uh, another bank closing that will take place in about an hour. 
And That's what you're doing right now? Yes. So, so where are you? Well, again, it's an undisclosed location. You can't tell me. <laughs> exactly. What part of the country are you in? Uh, let's just say I'm in the eastern time zone. Are you in a, are you like sitting in a car somewhere? I'm actually sitting in a room <laughs> with no phone or anything, just a, like a, like a conference room, so to speak. In the bank? No, in a hotel. Uh-huh. But you're not going to give me the number of the hotel because you don't want me to know where you are. <laughs> Hannah, is that why he wouldn't call you on a landline? Because he was afraid you could tell by caller yes. ID what number he was calling from and figure out what state he was in? Yeah, and because he's like so busy flying in planes between different bank failures that he's just hard to get on the phone. He's basically on these secret missions most weeks since the bank of Clark County failed. 175 more banks have failed. Well, it's a good thing they have all those 600 newly trained special ops accountant types. <laughs> right. Well, they actually have more. No, I found out recently that they hired a bunch of new people. They opened up two new offices in Florida and Illinois, and they've hired a thousand more FDIC agents. Wow. So that means more Rons to do takeovers. Also, it means more Todds being taken over. And I, you know, I have to say, I was sort of, I'm sort of attached to that guy because there are all these bank employees out there. You know, unsuspecting bank employees. They just go to work one Friday, and then all of a sudden, you know. These people come in, they lock the door, and their life is totally turned upside down. Yeah, I worried about Todd over the last year, and I I actually have sort of put off calling him because I didn't want to hear that something sad had happened to him. And he's so, I mean, a lot of people were attached to that bank, but I think for Todd, like, it was so extreme. It was clearly so much of his identity was wrapped up in the bank of Clark County. So I was very relieved when I did reach him recently to learn that he now has a new identity. Well, Hannah, uh, my name is Todd Zalk, uh, and I am a business banking specialist with Wells Fargo Bank. That's a big change. It is a huge change. Uh, Wells Fargo has a tremendous amount of horsepower. I like to tell my business clients that. And uh, it's much different from Bank of Clark County, I will say that. Uh, We do a lot of things very strategically and intentionally. Uh, One thing that's very strategic that Wells Fargo does that has really attracted me to them, and it's something that's very clearly understood by John Stump, our CEO, is that our product is our service. And I've always been wired by service, Hannah. You know that about me. So David Todd, thankfully got a job. And the other people he worked with, a bunch of them actually got jobs with the bank that took over the Bank of Clark County. And seven of them, seven of the 98 employees got jobs with the FDIC. They got jobs with the FDIC? That's where the FDIC is recruiting from? All the failed banks? Yeah, no, actually, that is where a lot of bank examiners get their start. It turns out that that is the one job that having a failed bank on your resume is a good thing. But Todd had a long slog there. He wasn't recruited by the FDIC. He wasn't taken over by the new bank. And there was eight months before Wells Fargo hired him. He actually, he thought about leaving banking altogether. It's discouraging. It, um, it, causes, it caused me to reflect on who I am as a man and a provider for my family. But more importantly, it caused me to realize that it wasn't about me. It was about my faith and that who I was really truly is not defined by the title on my business card. And to be honest, sometimes it's hard not to think that way. It's more of... Yeah, when I when I saw you last, you were still wearing your Bank of Clark County name tag and giving out your business cards, and you were having a really hard time with the idea that you weren't a Bank of Clark County 
person anymore. Yes. No, that's that's very true. That's very true. I, I just so you know, I do have my business banking specialist Wells Fargo name tag on. <laughs> <laughs> right now? Yes, I do. I do. Really? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. So Todd has a new badge. He got a new job. But it was really hard for him to let go of the Bank of Clark County, even after he got his new job, just to truly let go. Because in Todd's mind, and just the story in the community, really, was that the bank was sort of a victim, right? They made some aggressive real estate loans, but mostly it was just that the market changed, and the market changed so fast that the bank got dragged down with it. That at least was the story that a lot of employees were telling themselves and the story Todd told himself until one Sunday that story changed for him when he was in church. We have a a break time during church um, just to dismiss the kids and... uh, so and to say hi to people and I was over talking with someone and they came another person came up to me and said Todd did you know that guy that was just indicted in the article yesterday about Bank of Clark County and I said no what article I just didn't see it from Saturday's paper and and uh, they started explaining it to me and I just was actually very surprised um, that somebody was indicted and I was curious to know who it was and um and I was asking them, well, did you see a picture? What did they look like? Hannah, I have the picture here. I'm looking at the newspaper, The Columbian. The picture is of David Connelly, and the headline reads, Executive is guilty in BOCC deception. BOCC is Bank of Clark County. So the article says Connelly, the bank's chief lending officer, pled guilty to fraud. The article says he and other bank executives knew the bank's loans were going bad a year before the failure, and they hid that information from the FDIC. And reading the plea agreement, David, is actually really fascinating. I have it right here. And it just goes step by step through the great lengths that this guy went to over many months to hide how bad things really were at the bank. You know, they'd get these appraisals done. Most banks will get appraisals done of their loans to see how they're doing. And in 2008, a year before the bank failed, the bank's real estate loans were doing really poorly. And Bank examiners, FDIC people, would come into the bank regularly to check how things were going. And Kennelly, it says here, told his colleagues, quote, these appraisals should not see the light of day. And then the agreement just details how he he created these separate spreadsheets. One spreadsheet would have the healthy loans and the other would have unhealthy loans. And when the bank examiners came to check the Bank of Clark County, Kennelly instructed someone to hide the unhealthy spreadsheet in a basket under someone's desk. I, I guess in a small community bank, you're not really set up to hide things in some offshore account in the Virgin Islands. So it's just like, quick, hide the spreadsheet under your desk in the basket. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and eventually it turned out someone tipped off the FDIC examiners when they were there and they called Kennelly into a room and confronted him. And it says here in the agreement... They confronted him and he, quote, turned red and started to shake and falsely responded that he did not think BOCC possessed the requested appraisals. So all this was happening in the back rooms. And meanwhile, our man Todd is just out there in the front wearing his name tag, doing his job. Yeah, it was all really hard for Todd to read about. I always believed Bank of Clark County was a bank that earned its reputation by doing the right thing. And... um. I think a part of my heart was broken in the sense that the integrity of the reputation that Bank of Clark County had was tarnished in that moment. And then that there was other people being investigated, to me, caused that reputation to be tarnished even more. But wasn't the reputation of the bank tarnished when it failed? 
Oh, absolutely. But failing because they had provided too many loans, didn't know that the market would change, isn't an issue of integrity or ethics or morals or doing the right thing. It was just <laughs> overly aggressive, lacking in a little bit of risk <laughs> on on the lending side. But of this was like this was but, like oh the people that I was working with and working for did something actually wrong, made a really wrong call. Yeah, yeah, they 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 broke the law. They did the wrong thing, and 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 what's the the conclusion from that is that that's the reason that the bank failed or significantly contributed to it. The sense of pride that I had of working at Bank of Clark County is tarnished. It's, yeah. That's gone now. I don't want to say it, Hannah, but you can. (laughs) It is. I think it's gone now. So the bank employees move on. Reading that helped Todd do that. But Someone still has to deal with the bank itself, the physical bank. The deposits are taken care of. They get moved over to another local bank. But the bank has loans to homeowners and to businesses, and someone has to deal with that. In this case, it was Ron Hodge's job. He's the FDIC guy you talked to over the bad cell phone connection. And he was assigned to stay in Clark County for another five months after the failure. And he says people were calling him and saying, do we still have to pay our loan? And Ron Hodges would tell them, yes, you do. Now that the bank has failed, somehow they feel that they're entitled to a discount of cents on a dollar on a 100% collectible loan. Look, you took out a loan with the intention of paying 100% of it, and now we expect you to do that. So you're, you we, end up spending a lot of your time chasing people who got a loan from the bank, and now they think they don't have to pay it back? Yes. So when a bank closes, it's confusing for all the bank's customers, right? If I run a business and I have a line of credit with a bank, I wonder, is that line of credit still there? Can I still draw on it? I need it, you know. And actually, Hannah, after your story ran last year, there was a comment written into uh, the NPR website from a Clark County business owner. And it looks like he set up the account on NPR.org just to write to you because the username he chose was up the creek without a bank. (laughs) Like no spaces, up the creek without a bank. And we tried to get him on the phone, but it didn't work out. So I'm just going to read what he wrote here. Up the creek without a bank wrote, you did not report on how the approximately 1,000 businesses with loans were thrown into the marketplace to try and get new financing in the worst financing environment in the last 30 years. We were all told you had better find a new bank quickly because we are all going to auction your loans as quickly as possible to people who are not banks and you will not like the guys who buy your loan. So it's hard for the employees, and it's also hard for people like Up the Creek, who did business with the bank. But I have to say, it's hard. I mean, it's a hard position for the FDIC to be in because they are not a bank. They're not in the business of running a bank. So everything in the bank has to go somewhere. They have to sell everything, the loans, the phones, the desks, the plants, everything. In the Bank of Clark County's case, there was a nearby bank that took on the deposits, but that's about all they took over, $30 million in deposits. That left $438 million of other stuff the FDIC was stuck with dealing with. A lot of them are loans, money that was due the bank from loans to small businesses, development properties, and homes. And just add it to the pile, man. I mean, the FDIC is swimming in failed bank assets. So many banks have failed that the FDIC has had to deal with $563 billion in failed bank assets. And here's where we're going to check on something else that we looked at a year ago, Hannah, the FDIC insurance fund. So the bank failures are costly because what happens is the FDIC has to insure the deposits, right? That's their job. Our money, our checking, and our savings accounts up to $250,000. 
But when they come in to take over a bank, things are often bad enough that there isn't enough cash around to do that. Even when they sell off everything the bank owns, all the loans, all the plants, all the desks, all the telephones, there isn't enough to cover those deposits. So the FDIC has to dip into its insurance fund. FDIC is a government agency, but that money doesn't come from taxpayers. It comes from banks that it insures. So the banks pay for the insurance, just like you and I pay for car insurance. And then all that money goes into a fund. And last September, that fund went into the red. Now, the FDIC does have a huge line of credit with the Treasury Department, which they can use. And I was wondering if they're going to have to use it. But it turns out they haven't yet. Because of some complicated accounting, they actually have some reserves set aside. And they say they think they'll be able to make it through the end of the year without needing government help. They are expecting and hoping that the bank failures will slow down next year. Yeah, let's hope. So last year, when I was at the Bank of Clark County, I mean, the thing that was so striking to me just in this one bank is that there was so much emotion there. Like bankers in suits were crying, telling me about how hard the process was. And it was still really raw, you know, several weeks after the failure. But the FDIC people were much more methodical. You know, they're used to it. They were calm. They stay in town for a couple days, maybe a week, except for Ron Hodges. Ron was left behind there for a while. He stayed there for five months. And this year, when we talked on the cell phone, you know, he had to go do this other takeover. But right before he had to get off the phone, I just asked him one more question, which I thought was a pretty simple question. How did you feel leaving the bank of Clark County? It was hard. Why was it hard? You know, you come into a bank unannounced on a day, on a Friday, where most people have made plans to do something with their family. And essentially, the world's turned upside down in a matter of minutes. And you begin to become friends with these folks. They work with you every day, side by side, doing the business of essentially winding down an institution that some of them have been with 10, 20, 30, 40 years. They become more allies as opposed to adversaries. And you become friends with them. You work with them every day for 8, 10, 12, sometimes 14 hours a day. And when I left, this particular group gave me a cake, wrote me a nice card, and they all came down and said goodbye to me. And it was a very emotional event for me. Did you get, I mean, you do this all the time. Did you get more attached to them than other groups of people? Or is it always this emotional? Well, I think I don't spend as much time now on a lot of these closings because we have... Uh, perfected our process. Now our receiverships are slated to to close anywhere from three to six months. Oh, so you got a longer time there. You got to make friends. Exactly. And typically, you don't get that. Typically, it's good riddance, goodbye, I'm glad you're gone. <laughs> and so it, it it was a very emotional experience because it showed the respect and honor and just basically being liked for the job that you had done there, working through some very difficult times. 
And you don't get you to don't be like you don't get to be liked very often. No, you don't. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's more like you're the bad guy. We don't like you. You closed our bank, and we have to tell. First of all, we didn't close your bank. We're not the bad guys. We're here to help. <laughs> have Have you been appreciated like that since the Bank of Clark County? Actually, no, I haven't. <laughs> Ron Hodges got off the phone with me, David, and took over the Century Security Bank in Duluth, Georgia. How did you figure out where he was? I looked it up online, the FDIC failed bank list, and I asked him which bank it was. He only told me after. This time he didn't do the actual flooding into the bank. Um, Apparently, you know, he just did some of the back office work for the failure. But on that same day, last Friday, Banks also failed in Minnesota, Alabama, Utah, and Ohio. Seven banks failed that day. All right. On that happy note, we're going to head off into the weekend. (laughs) You're heading to India. David is going to India for three weeks. I have no idea what we're going to do without you. You'll be fine. I'm going to send you back some stories about corporate bonds in India. It's going to be great. (laughs) Okay. So on the blog today, there are some things that are very worth checking out. I wanted you to know about. You can find more about home loan modifications that Jacob was talking about. You can also watch a video collaboration that we did with Frontline in Haiti. It's um, about businesses in the cities that have been set up there. There's tons of business going on. One guy had set up a movie theater in his tent. Okay, it was actually, a movie theater? It was, it was a little more like a TV, but it was a business. You can see that on our website, npr.org slash money. And as always, you can send us your letters. Let us know what you think. We are planetmoney at npr.org. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Planet Jaffe Walt. Thanks for listening.